Welcome to the Food Peace Please podcast, co-hosted by Serena Marie, RD, creator of Food Freedom Fit Fam, and Susan Ports, RD, creator of Fertility Nutrition Academy. Our joint mission is to empower women to embrace food freedom. We want women to realize there's more to life than changing your body and counting your calories, macros, or points. While we are medical professionals, this podcast is informational only and not meant as a substitute for individual medical advice. Now, let's get this party started. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to another episode of Food Peace, Please. This is Susan, and I'm here with Serena. And today, we are actually going to be asking each other, What is one thing you thought you had to do because of diet culture, but didn't actually have to do? So we're going to be talking about that. But first, before we dive into that, we always have to talk about what's new. So Serena, what is new? So what is new with me is I am like riding my post-wedding high over here and um, you know, I had taken kind of an extended break from running. Um, you know, I think I ended up taking like 11 days off from running after my wedding. And so now I'm kind of just like eventually kind of got that itch to start running again. And um, I've got some fall races on the calendar. So uh, my first race here, the Hartford Half, um, which by the way, if you're listening to this and you're running it, send me a DM. Um, you know, the Hartford Half is coming up here in like less than five weeks. And I just kind of like had this moment um, this morning during my run of saying like, okay, so this is going to literally just be about like um, my my best friend is going to be racing her first marathon that day. And so, you know, really I'm going there to like support my friend and if I need to walk it, if I need to like race it really slowly, you know, my priority is to like not get injured and to stay safe in my body. So kind of just had like that little like aha moment this morning. Um, probably will sign up for a race in November too and like train for that a little bit more um, with like, you know, intention. But um, I don't know. I just think it was interesting to kind of like have this period of like taking time off, um, letting my body rest after like all the stress of the wedding season and just kind of being okay with the fact that like there can be races where you're not going out there and like racing with all your might and like it's okay. Like I'm still a runner. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. Like I have that permission and I just kind of wanted to like pat myself on the back and be like, good job, Serena. Like way to be kind to yourself. Yes. (laughs) I love that. Sometimes like that's seriously what you need. Need like that, like to give yourself more compassion. I mean, yes. I talk about compassion so much in my coaching. And, you know, something I always like to remind athletes of is that there has been so many studies on having self-compassion and how that actually increases resiliency, which like, I mean, if we think about any life lesson, whether it's being a runner or like just literally anything in life, right? It's like being resilient is really how we achieve the things we want to achieve in life because we're going to fall down, we're going to make mistakes, and we have to pick ourselves back up. So, you know, I think what you just said is like nails nails it on the head where in the past maybe I would have been really mad at myself for like not training harder or for missing out on this opportunity to PR. Now I'm in a place where it's like, okay, like you win some, you lose some, and there's different experiences to be learned from each race. Um, And it doesn't have to always be like 
the fastest race in order for me to like enjoy it and to learn something from it. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's, you should have fun. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Um, how about you, girlfriend? How is it going over there? What's new? So what's new with me is that I have been watching my summer trashy reality TV. And if you don't know me, I just you, you I, I just have to share this with you, okay? I get really into trashy summer reality TV. Like come July, like I pretty much have reality TV to watch at least four nights a week because I'm a huge Big Brother fan. Like I have been watching that for like I don't they're on season 22 or 23 and I have been watching it for probably like 20 years, okay? I didn't I seriously have been watching it forever. I love Big Brother and also it's like it's to the point now where there's like eight people left and it's getting good. Um, and my husband watches it with me and we're both like, ooh, it's getting good. <laughs> um, and then I also watch The Bachelorette. And then what's going to be starting when The Bachelorette finishes in a few weeks is uh, Bachelor in Paradise. Which is the best of The Bachelors. <laughs> oh my God, it's so much trashy reality TV and I just, you guys, I just love it. Like, I like judge me if you want, but like, here's the thing. Like, it is just sometimes just so enjoyable to watch the watch it. And like, of course, I love like the super cheesy romance that happens. Like, it, it's just how do you not love it? And like, I get it. Like, okay, it's not reality, and a lot of them don't stay together. But like, I don't care. It's just, it, I I'm into it. Okay. And the other thing that I haven't watched yet that I'm waiting is Love Island. Because Love Island was not on CBS this summer. It is on Peacock. And so I was waiting for it to be done because I'm going to stream it. (laughs) I don't watch Big Brother or Love Island, but I do have that like on my list of things to put on the next time I'm feeling bored because I also love trashy TV. Um, I'm very happy the Kardashians are back on. Like they have their new Hulu series I'm loving. But yeah, um, Bachelor in Paradise, I can't wait. And I almost feel like we should have like – we should like involve Bachelor in Paradise like into our podcast. Like we should like talk about who we're rooting for. Yeah, like what's (laughs) happening on Bachelor in Paradise this week? Because (laughs) we're no longer a food freedom podcast. We're now a podcast. We're just going to talk about The Bachelor because (laughs) – I mean, come on. I just – if you don't like it, it's okay. But, like, uh, it just is – it's just – I don't know. It's so entertaining for me. And I just love that I can – like, it's it's simple. It's not complicated. I, like, can't watch TV shows that with a lot of drama anymore and, like, a lot of, like, gory, like, murder scenes. <laughs> like, it way impacts me way too much. So – we watch trashy reality TV, and the best of the best is in the summer. Woohoo! Well, I approve. So, okay, enough rants about The Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise, and Big Brother. If you are big fans, please DM me so we can chat about all the things. So, anyways, <laughs> Serena, what is one thing you thought you had to do because of diet culture? Okay, so it's so weird to talk about these things because it feels so silly now, but 
I really believed um, so 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 having an online private practice the way I do now, you know, was a really big dream for me. Um, and when I was just like in my twenties and like the thick of disordered eating, um, I remember thinking like my body had to look a certain way, like how to be very thin and shredded in order for me to grow a private practice because I thought I had to look like that in order for people to like believe I was a good dietitian. Literally saying it right now like makes me nauseous. Like that's how much I don't believe it nowadays. Um, But like I was convinced like I couldn't – like people would laugh at me if I didn't have like defined muscle definition. Um, And that's definitely a product of like a very toxic – social media culture, diet culture, I mean, just like really toxic messaging. (laughs) Yeah. I think – but you know what? I think that there's a lot of people, like not only dietitians, but a lot of other like athletes and just honestly women in general that feel that way too because as you were talking about that, I felt the same way. Like – and it wasn't necessarily tied to my private practice because I didn't start my private practice until after I found food freedom um, and intuitive eating. However, I did have like this mindset like around like how my body was supposed to look and same thing. Like I should have a six pack and like toned arms and like I had to like – and this is just – Oh, it does make me feel sick too. But like, I felt like I had to stay within a specific weight range mm-hmm. to keep my BMI at a specific level. And like, I do think like that was part of the pressures of like being a dietitian as well. Because people will, if you're not a dietitian, you maybe don't realize this, but people will make a lot of comments when you tell them that you're a dietitian. Um, you know, people will make comments like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be eating this. You know, if they're eating something in front of you, like they're self-conscious and be like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this. Or if you say you're a dietitian, then they're like, make comments about your body and like, you know, how do you, oh, that's why you stay so thin. That's like what people would say to me all the time. And like, oh, it's, it's, it's damaging in a, it's not, it, there are different types of damages within diet culture, right? And so for someone in a smaller body, the experience is different than someone that's in a larger body, right? Like we're not comparing and saying like one is more difficult than the other. Um, I'm just saying that like that damage is still there and it it, it does happen. Um, and – Again, like, is it intentional? No, I don't think people are meaning to be intentional. I think it's just this lack of understanding what those comments do and the lack of understanding, like, what health really is. Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny because I just am thinking about, like, this fixation I had on, like, my own body and what I thought people were thinking about my body. And I'm not going to say, like, I never think about that anymore but it is like 112 billion percent less. And, you know, I'm just thinking as Susan's talking about how yesterday um, I um, met someone, found out he, he found out I was a dietitian and he made a comment about like the way he looked and how he needs to lose weight. 
and how like, you know, and it was like a five second encounter. So I didn't go into my whole like, oh, you know, health can be at any size, sir. You know, I didn't launch into that. Um, but like I, I I noticed it and I was kind of like, that's sad that he feels like he has to like defend his his body type to me. Like I'm not here judging it, right? But the point being is like, The reason I felt that way, yes, part of it is diet culture, but part of it was because I was subscribed to diet culture to kind of, you know, um, we we had why you should unsubscribe from diet culture podcast. Um, But like I was subscribed to diet culture, meaning that the reason I was paying so much attention to my body and the reason I would pay so much attention to other people's body was because of my insecurities with myself. And so the reason I'm saying that is like a lot of times when people are going on a food freedom journey and giving up their quest for a smaller body, a shredded body, whatever it may be, they're so worried about what are other people thinking about me. And I just want to kind of like give you this consolation of like, The only people that are thinking something about you or like have a thought about you are people that have a lot of really judgmental thoughts about their own body. Because here I am, I'm the same exact person I was when I was in my 20s, but I never like think about or notice other people's bodies or even my own body. Like my preoccupation with my own body is so much lower. And it's because I'm no longer on that journey where that's the focus of my attention. And so like really whenever somebody makes a comment about you, it's always a comment about themselves. And I think you guys all know that deep down inside. But really that's what this says about me is that when I was in my 20s, you know, I was making these like really silly and fast judgments on people based on their appearance rather than based on like their education or like who they were helping or whatever. And that's such a like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like embarrassed admitting this. Like what a terrible criteria. Like you don't pick your doctor based on like how good looking they are, right? Like that's dumb. And it's like the same exact thing in the health and nutrition world. But I was just, I was brainwashed. Like that's yeah, one word brainwashed. <laughs> How yeah. about you, Susan? Like, what's one thing you felt you had to do because of diet culture? Yeah, I agree. It is kind of a brainwash thing, and I would say that's kind of where. So, the first thing that just like popped into my head when I thought of this question is that I thought I had to always have half my plates fruits and vegetables. You know what is like, I'm like saying this and kind of like laughing at myself. And I say that with a lot of like respect and care if like that's something that you um, have found yourself believing. But that is something that we teach a lot as dietitians. Um, And it is like really toxic because let me tell you this when you like tell yourself that like half your plate has to be fruits and vegetables like well like what if you get sick of like the vegetables like or like like or what if you don't enjoy them and here's the other thing too like I feel like part of this is like the way that I thought based on diet culture I had to eat vegetables particularly. Not so much fruit, but more vegetables. Like there was like this time where like, you know, vegetables had to be like cooked a specific way. I couldn't like – I wouldn't 
put like cheese on them, for example, because I thought that that was like negating the vegetable. And it's like, that's not true at all. Like, and like actually cooking them in a way that like tastes good or like making a salad. Like I think about, okay, Serena raves about this kale salad that she makes all the time on Instagram. And you guys, I am not a kale person, but all the time I'm like, I need to like, just like try to make her kale salad. Cause she is raving about it. And I'm like, there's clearly some things like, and the things that you put in that salad, I will say, like, I'm like, that does look good. <laughs> it is so, very good. So my point being in like highlighting that is like, it's probably because the way that I've previously ate kale was like not in a way that was actually enjoyable. So I think my point is that diet culture when it makes you think you have to eat like a specific amount of fruits and vegetables and then they have to be cooked or prepared in a certain way that like you maybe don't even enjoy, like that's why you don't like fruits and vegetables or more specifically vegetables in my case. Like, I mean, I've always liked vegetables, but it's because I, but I would like force myself to eat them in specific ways that like I didn't even think tasted good and then they weren't even satisfying. And now it's like, whoa, like you can cook them so many ways. You can put them in so many things. And guess what? Like it still counts. Yeah. And like who's even counting? We don't have to count. Yeah. And I don't know where, it, you know, it's it's so funny how like everyone's diet rules are so different because like I don't think I ever had that feeling of like if you have something that diet culture would leave a bad food, quote unquote, it diminishes the nutrient value of the rest of the plate. But that is so flipping common. And I actually had a whole like rant yesterday on Instagram about this. But like people will have this plate that diet culture would assign good for you. But then if they have like a cookie after, they're like, I, I screwed up. Like I had such a bad meal. I made a mistake. I did something bad. And they think all of a sudden the kale and the quinoa and the salmon have lost their nutrient value because they paired it with a dang cookie. And it's like, where did that come from? Like, think about the way digestion works. You chew your dang food, it goes into your stomach, and it all like eventually gets assimilated into your body. There's not this like you pause and you die a little because you put a cookie in your body. Like, think about it logically, right? And so like, not that I'm like yelling at Susan right now, but like, it's so funny because we have all of this training and in physiology and then you just get like brainwashed again. Like you literally get brainwashed where like you're not using your science brain that mm -hmm. you took 4 million science classes in, in graduate school to like learn about nutrition. You literally are just like kind of like blinded by like these rules. And it's just so clear in that example you gave. Yeah, absolutely. You are blinded by it and you are brainwashed because like that's what you're hearing. And then like I think for me, it really got pretty significant when it was something that I was like preaching every day to people. Like I was telling people that this is what they had to be doing and then it was like, well, I have to be doing that. And it was just ugh, when I think about it now, like it was very miserable. Like I would again, like I would make some vegetables I would like in a specific way, but like I like now it's like if I don't want a vegetable, I don't eat a vegetable. Like, and that's okay. Like there it's okay. Like your body's gonna be just fine. I think that's one of the bigger things that I feel like 
I know now that I didn't know then was that like our bodies are extremely resilient and they're extremely powerful and like really smart. Like they know what they're doing. So like Serena was saying that example, it's like because you ate a cookie, like the cookie isn't eating the salmon and the broccoli that you ate before that and like negating a weight at it. Like But like, that's like what we've been like brainwashed to believe by diet culture. And the thing I want you to remember when you're thinking about like, maybe this, these examples that we're giving you today really resonate with you. Um, Or maybe there's other things that you're like starting to question that you like thought were quote unquote rules that you should be following to life um, and like how you're eating. And maybe it's really just coming back to like what feels good for you and just thinking about like, okay, like my body is really smart. Like even if you have some, like even if something's going on with your body and maybe your body isn't doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Like I say this all the time to like fertility people. Like I get it. Like you're, you feel like your body should be getting pregnant and like maybe you have some sort of a diagnosis Whatever the case is, but like your body is still really smart. Like your body, even if there's something wrong, it is still advocating for you and it's still doing things to support you. So it's still like it just it knows what it's doing. It's smart. You just have to let it do its thing. And that is something that like I did not realize for years. Yeah. I feel like that's like – it's kind of like giving the power back to the person, right? Which is what diet culture doesn't want. Like diet culture wants you to think that you need to buy another supplement, another pill. You need to buy another weight loss book. You need to buy more makeup and, you know, whatever to make yourself better. And like what we're saying is like if you're noticing that you feel miserable, your energy's low, you're noticing that you eat this quote unquote perfect plate with half your vegetables is fruit and whatever, half your plate is vegetables and fruit. And you're noticing you have crazy sugar cravings or you feel out of control around food or you're hangry. You know, these are just things I used to feel when I was eating this quote unquote perfect way. You know, trust what your body's saying. And for so long, I took those things of I was addicted to sugar and I was hangry all the time and I got so mad at my body. What is wrong with me that, you know, I can't stop thinking about sugar obsessively. I just eat this perfect plate with quinoa and broccoli and salmon. Why am I craving ice cream? Like, why can't I just be a good, a good dietitian, a healthy person? You know, what's wrong with me that I'm hungry again after an hour, an hour after I just ate? Like, come on, I'm so sick of this body. And I realized that my body was sending me those signals to protect itself and to make myself healthier. So when I actually said, you know what, I'm going to stop fighting the good fight and I'm going to listen and say, okay, so I'm hungry an hour after my meal. I need more calories on my plate. Okay, so I have sugar cravings. I need more carbs on my plate. Like really started to listen to what my body was telling me, becoming embodied. That's what that means in this food freedom journey. It's becoming embodied. Um, that's when I was able to like start to heal from diet culture. Yeah, that was a really, really good example because I think a lot of what's not talked about is the fact that like those foods that, you know, are deemed as healthy by diet culture are actually pretty low in calories. 
and your body needs more calories than you realize it needs. And the amount that it needs on a day-to-day basis is very different. Like, and it's, you have to like allow your body to communicate that to you. Like you can't just wake up in the morning and be like, oh, today I'm going to need more food. Like you don't necessarily know that. Like you understanding your hunger and fullness or I should say, you may know that if you are an athlete and you have a lot of activity planned for that day or you're preparing for some sort of an event, I'll let Serena talk about that. But like, it, like that is something, but like for the most part, like you listening to your body to tell you what it needs, like that's the important part. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would even say for athletes, just like, obviously this isn't like a hundred percent true, but women are so terrified of eating that they set, they're like, oh yeah, I can have more. And the more is like one fist of rice. It's like, what? That's nothing. You just trained 30, 40, 50. I have women running 80 miles a week and they're allowing one fist of rice and they're like clapping their hands because they're allowing carbs and like, listen, okay, it starts to start. But like, come on guys, like you have to realize like you need more than that. And you know, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm just thinking of like other things I used to do to myself is I would like give myself permission to eat more as an athlete, but the like numerical value um, of what I allowed myself. So, you know, kind of a trigger warning, but I'm talking about like grams and calories here for a second. Like I would be lifting several times a week, running 30 miles a week and allowing myself 2000 calories a day. And like, that's not enough. But I like was like think so proud of myself that I was eating 2000 calories a day, you know, or like 250 grams of carb a day. It's like, dude, you need like 200 grams of carb just to like fuel your liver and your brain before you've lifted all these weights and run all these miles. But like somewhere along the way, I I gave myself like, oh my God, if I have 2,500 calories, that's way too many, right? Or if I have th- like four or 500 grams of carb, that's way too many, but it's not. And not that I'm counting calories or carbs nowadays, but just like the idea that I was able to like break out of this idea that having a fist or a cup of carb would be way too much and like really be like pushing the limit there. So like, even if you think, I don't know. Like, even if you think you're doing this good job of I'm eating more carbs, again, like maybe you are doing a good job, but like if you're noticing you're hungry or you're hangry or your blood sugar's dropping or your sugar cravings are out of control, like maybe you could even eat more. Yeah, that's so incredibly true. And I think too, like when you were telling that story, um, I also did that in the sense of like, I would exercise to make up for what I eat. So if I had like, you know, if I was eating a lot of a specific type of food that I had deemed as like bad, you know, um, I would make up for that and I would exercise more or I would, the way that I would allow myself to do that is I would be like, oh, I, I exercised. So it's okay. And like you guys, that's like the to me, like that's the epitome of disordered. Like, and I don't want you to be like, don't take that like offensively. I'm just like, that is thought process that I had. And like, that's not a healthy relationship with food at all. Right. If you give yourself permission to eat ice cream because you exercise, 
There should be no because. It's like I have permission to eat ice cream, period. Not because I'm running tomorrow, because I'm training. If that's what you need, that because statement to justify the fact that you eat ice cream or bread or whatever the heck it is, then that's just a sign that there's some healing to do. Again, we're not judging you. We've been there. We've done that. But it's just like something to get curious about is like maybe actually I have more healing to do than I realized. And, you know, that's a beautiful thing because that awareness will eventually lead to change if you choose to pursue healing. Yes, exactly. Well, I feel like this is a good conversation. And please let us know. I hope you guys know that when you listen to this, if you have any questions for us or any thoughts that come up, please send us a DM. We are more than happy. One, we love hearing that you're listening to us. And two, we're more than happy to just hear what your experiences are because I don't know, maybe it'll be a podcast topic. Woohoo. That is so true. Can't wait to hear from you guys. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us. If you're a female athlete looking to heal your relationship with your body, head to serenamarierd.com to download my free runner's guide to better body image. And if you're trying to conceive, head over to freedom.fertility on Instagram to grab your free starter guide for food freedom, fertility, nutrition.